Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful this morning that we get to enter into your presence. Like Tracy said, like we sing in this song, Father God, we are not fighting from a position of defense. We are fighting from a position of victory. Father God, you've already won it, Father God. We just have to actually take the initiative to step in and claim that victory, Father God. And today, Lord, allow us as your sons and daughters to be able to do that in Jesus' In Jesus' name, Father, Lord, I pray that you will help ready our hearts and minds for your word today, Father God, and that, Lord, I'm believing right now that your spirit, your presence is in this room, and that, Father God, you're going to continue to speak and move amongst your people today. Lord God, we are so grateful, Lord God, to be able to be in your presence this morning, Lord, because we know that there is no place like it. Father God, today, we just ask that you continue to move in us. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Listen, you can be seated. You can be seated this morning. I wanted to take just a moment here before I go too far and give Kelly and Alyssa and Holly, uh, those all joining us online, a, a quick shout out to say thanks for for joining us online. I know obviously it's great to have you in the room and I know sometimes that just can't happen. Uh, so uh, if you can be here, it's awesome. And if you're not, we're grateful that you can be joining us online. And if you're here in person or online watching, maybe it's your very first time, I just wanna say welcome and thanks for being with us at Discover Church. My name is uh, Curtis Jones. I, with my wife, Amy, uh, are blessed to lead here at Discover and we would love to get to know you. and. We just want to encourage you, if you've never taken the opportunity before, maybe again it's your first time, text the word welcome uh, to 302-205-1320. When you do this, you're actually going to get prompted uh, to fill out a digital connection card, and that's why you can do it if you're online too as well. Uh, but here, if you're in person, you're like, Pastor Curtis, that just seems like a lot of, a lot of texting. Well, the good news is there's a paper copy right in the pocket in front of your chair where you can fill out a paper version of that. You can drop it off in one of our offering boxes in the back of the room today. And don't forget, we'd also love uh, just to give you a little gift for being with us. But uh, uh, I'm excited. We're going to kick off kind of a new series here. And um, I don't know if you're like me, uh, it, you know, I don't know how many of us ever actually expect to have like a breakdown moment in our lives. You know, I, I don't know whether it's in just the physical realm, whether, you know, it's something with your car or whether it's more on the, the, emotional, uh, the emotional side of your life. But, you know, it, it's one of those things I know as well as you do that so often we as people, we seem fairly put together on the outside. Uh, that, you know, maybe not everybody kind of knows, like to peek behind the curtain on what is exactly happening. We, uh, I know that a, a lot of us, we tend to, to look fairly healthy because we're really, really good at kind of putting on the smile and putting on the facade to make us look cheery among other people. But I also know that so many people uh, that I talk to, uh, especially once I can get the, past the whole how things are going, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. Well, how things are really going well, not so good, you know, and the problem is, is so often I think we're kind of ashamed uh, to, to admit sometimes if we need help or we get kind of embarrassed because we feel like we should always have it all together. Uh, does anybody else feel that way? Like you're supposed to always have it put together at all times and that if you don't have it all together at all times, then there must clearly be something wrong with you, right? And, and so uh, today, uh, as we kick off this 
this series. I want you to know that if you relate to that, because maybe on the outward side you look you look good, but you know on the inward side maybe you you've battled a little bit of depression, some anxiety, stress, right? Uh, maybe maybe you're just worn down. I, I want to let you know uh, that you are not alone. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I find most frustrating about pastoring people, if I can be 100% honest with you, is how uh, not honest with ourselves we are and how unwilling we are to be open with one another. And so I hope to lead by example through this series a little bit because I'm going to share a little bit about my own story about this because we're, we're going to be uh, talking for this series here about, about mental health. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this because I, I don't think that the church really does a very good job. And by the way, the church, not just Discover Church, but the Big C Church, we don't really do a really good job at that. And uh, today's kind of going to be kind of a, a, a introductory message to this series that I'm hoping uh, you guys can actually take some opportunity uh, because I, I, I want to let you know that uh, even in my own life, there are some times when it looks like I'm doing pretty good holding it together, but man, I am wore out on the inside. And I'm sitting there through worship, through time and prayer, like, God, will you just give me the strength and the energy, like, come on, like, I just feel like I'm, like, dragging through this thing. So how do we do that? Well, I want to read to you uh, kind of an opening scripture here. This is out of First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians 5, chapter 23 says, or chapter 5, verse 23 says this. It says, may God himself, the, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. May he do this through your whole spirit, through your soul, and through your body, may you be kept blameless, and uh, may you be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and guess what? He's faithful, and he will do it. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them right now. Say he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. The problem is, is that we know. Uh, I know. I've been in church long enough to realize this, but. There are so many times where we get, especially into the area when we talk, start talking about mental health, there's some people over the years especially that have kind of thought that the church really shouldn't talk about mental health, that we shouldn't do it because once you come to Jesus, Jesus fixes everything. Once we come to Jesus, then he saves you, he redeems you, he uh, fills you with the Holy Ghost power, and you just go around and you speak in tongues, and your feet barely touch the ground. And I don't know if your relationship with God is anything like mine, and to realize that that's not always the case, that some would say, well, but pastor, he works all things together for the good of those who love him in Christ Jesus. And I would say, Yes, yes, he does. And, you know, all of those things are true, but at the same time, I think that they're also incomplete because how many of you can admit that just because Jesus saves us doesn't mean that automatically with the flick of a switch or with anything happening that all of a sudden all the areas of your life are just magically fixed. You know, he saves you, and the next thing you know, you wake up and you've lost those 10 pounds you've been trying for for years, you know. You know, all of a sudden, you are born again, your credit score is going up, praise hallelujah, and the next thing you know, your hair is thicker, and then everything that, like, everything that you eat, you gain no weight out of it, it's just an incredible, and you are just living that hashtag blessed lifestyle, aren't you? Yes, because that's the way the Spirit of God works among His people, right? 
Listen, as much as you laugh about that, you are aware as I am that just because we become a Christian, that does not mean that we are instantly mentally healthy. No longer does it mean that just because you come to Jesus that you're instantly physically healthy. And so we realize that, you know, we have some things that we have to work on. Now, here's the disclaimer, and I'm going to give this every single week to make sure you hear me and you hear me well. Uh, I want to let you know this morning that I am not a licensed counselor, okay? All right? I'm a pastor. I'm going to give you uh, some, some insight here out of Scripture. I'm going to give it to you out of my own personal life of things that I've lived. I'm going to give it to you out of the, the situations of people that I've walked through with this. And even amidst the, the counselors and the books and the information and all the stuff that I've read about this, that, that's where we're going to be kind of looking at this. But here's what we know is that when we're talking about mental health, some of you think, that, you know, it's just keeping you out of the loony bin. You know what I mean? Like, like if I could just stay, you know, if they don't put me in a padded room and they don't have to tie me in one of them straight jackets, I'm okay. No, actually, mental health includes a lot of different areas. Mental health is actually going to include our emotional health, okay? It's going to include our psychological health, and it also includes our social well-being, okay? It includes our social well-being. And so all of these things are going to help be the thing that helps keep us and determine whether we are actually healthy mentally or not. And, and the problem that you and I know, right, is this, is that it's not a static thing. In other words, your mental health is not always at one place at one point in time. It moves, and it's one of the critical functions for you and me on how we get up and we move on a daily basis on how we think, how we feel, how we act. And, and, and as it deals with how we handle stress, the decisions that we make, the attitude and atmosphere that we deal with people that are close to us that we love and sometimes those that we don't love right? That all of these things come into it. It's how you bounce back from difficulties. And so today, uh, I, I want to help kind of understand, again, as kind of a baseline here to what we're talking about, we're going to talk about two, two myths that we see, two myths that we see about mental health. And here's the first one. The first one uh, is, is just simply this. The first myth is that Christians should not, in fact, struggle with mental health. Now, maybe if you've been in church long enough, you've probably experienced and encountered some sort of atmosphere and attitude towards this. Because like I said, that, you know, once you're a Christian, you know, you shouldn't battle anxiety or depression or burnout. You shouldn't do this, you know. And if you do, if you experience those things, well, then guess what? It's probably your fault. Because if you do, you know, it, you probably don't have enough faith. You've not been praying enough. You know, or heaven forbid, guess what? You probably are living in secret sin. And because of that, the enemy is at work in your life. And so I want to let you know today that guess what? You can still love Jesus and you can still battle depression. I want to let you know that today that you can faithfully read God's word and you can still battle anxiety. I want to let you know that you can come to Discover Church every Sunday morning. You can uh, be uh, tithers. You can serve on the go team. You can be in the back in that preschool room and just having a ball with them. And then through all of that, guess what? You can still struggle to overcome the trauma that you've experienced in your life. It happens. 
You know, and, and, and by the way, if you were like, Pastor Curtis, I don't feel that that is absolutely true. Well, I'm glad that you want to know, because guess what? The Bible actually gives us lots of examples of people who have dealt with this. I mean, listen, if you want some biblical examples, let's look at Elisha. Elisha, by the way, if you don't know, was a prophet of God who called fire down from heaven, defeats prophet of Baal, and Elijah is walking around like, this is amazing, like, I'm the champion of the earth. And the next day, because a threat is issued against him, guess what he does? He runs away, he goes out into the desert, he enters a depression, and he's just like, Lord, just kill me and get it over with. Like, I'm so depressed, I just want to die. We could look at examples of King Saul even, where one minute King Saul is actually doing what God's called him to, and the next you can tell that when you read Scripture that, that there's something just not right in his life, that he's one minute one way, and the next minute he's something totally different. You've got David, a man after God's own heart who battles despair after decisions that he's made. You've got Jeremiah. By the way, if there's one guy I don't want the nickname, it's Jeremiah, because you know what he's nicknamed in the Bible? He's the weeping prophet. Tell me that you don't have the nickname of the weeping prophet, and you're like, hey, guys, everything's always like, oh, my name's Jeremiah. It's so exciting. He's not the bubbly prophet. He's the weeping prophet. And, and, and Jeremiah, actually, he battles loneliness and insecurity. And, in fact, in Scripture, you know what Jeremiah writes? He says that he curses the day that he was born. Now, tell me that that seems like Jeremiah is functioning at 100% all the time. He's not, right? And, and, and so, listen, I, I want to let you know that if you're struggling mentally, some would just say, well, you just need more of Jesus. If you just had more of the Lord, then everything would be okay. And I want to tell you today that, yes, we do need more Jesus, but guess what else you might need? You might need a change in your diet. You might need to give up some of that caffeine that you're pounding 24-7. Guess what you also might need? You might need more sleep. Stop staying up till midnight watching stuff that is not helping your life any. Go to bed, and when you wake up in the morning, you might feel a little bit different. Guess what? You might actually need better people to hang out with. You might need some better friends that are actually going to lead you in the direction that you're trying to get to in your life. And, 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 and by the way, that's not the only list because there are some points in time, I want to let you know, church, that guess what? You need, we need to see doctors. Because we don't have all the answers. Because maybe you're dealing with a hormone deficiency or a chemical imbalance. Maybe you just need therapy. And by the way, I want to let you know today that if you need therapy, if you're in therapy, or if you uh, are, have gone through it, guess what? That's awesome. Because we have put this stigma on asking for help. Is it asking for help is an issue. But can I tell you that in my particular opinion here, that's one of the two fundamental, fundamental reasons that the church exists. Fundamental reason number one the church exists is because we can do better together to serve the world, right? Fundamental reason number two that the church exists is because guess what? We need each other. We can't go through life alone because if we, if we could go through life alone, then we could all just go live out in the mountains in the wilderness somewhere and, and survive. But, but that's, it's not what God wants us for. He, he's called us to be in communion. So I want to let you know today that if you're struggling, if you have struggled, if you are struggling, that guess what? That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. You know what it means? It means that you're human. 
It means that you're human and that you have different ways. We all have different ways, different things that we're going through, and that God is still working through us. So the first myth, Christians shouldn't, shouldn't struggle with it. And the second one is this, and I think this is a personal battle that we have the enemy sometimes want to whisper in our ears, that God, that he doesn't really care, that he doesn't care about your mental health, that in fact God is so busy trying to solve all the issues that there are in the universe that he cannot possibly have time or care enough to to be able to come in and helpfully affect and change something going on in your life. And and I, I want to let you know that that's not true. And in fact, if you don't believe me, there's lots of Psalms that speak to this. In fact, Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Who shall I fear? How about this? Psalm 34 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed. Even Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge. He's our strength. And he is ever present in a he's an ever present help in a time of need. And now, look, we recognize that when you look through Scripture, especially in the Psalms, uh, Psalms are some really good good ones to read. Obviously, a, a lot of our worship songs come out of the Book of Psalms. It's great. Uh, but when you look at Psalms, there's a lot of like really great and uplifting verses in Psalm, right? There's a lot of them. Maybe you've had a coffee mug with a couple Psalms on it. Maybe you've been to Hobby Lobby and get your Hobby Lobby plaque, you know, with your Psalm scripture that you put over your door. And then you're like, yes, Jesus, bless this, bless this house. It's all good, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, there's also some Psalms that, that you'll probably never see on a coffee mug, there's some ones that you'll never see printed on a shirt, or there's some ones that you're never going to see, you know, in that Hobby Lobby store. Because today, I, I, as kind of our primary scripture, I want to look at, if you got your Bibles, at Psalm 88. Psalm 88. We're going to read a few passages here out of this. And, and Psalm 88 is actually written by a guy named Heman. And now, I know for some of you, if you were, grew up in the 80s and 90s, you were thinking, He-Man, like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? I didn't know that guy was in the Bible. No, this is a different He-Man, but, but still nonetheless, you know. Uh, He-Man was actually an admired man in Scripture. In fact, in Kings, it talks about he is a man described as having great wisdom. Uh, he's also described in Chronicles, First Chronicles, as uh, being the ability to, to play music and to lead into worship. Uh, he's also a committed parent. We know that he has a lot of kids, and he does a really great job as far as parenting goes. Uh, we know that he was in service to the king. But in Psalm 88, we don't see Heman uh, really at what I would call the top of his game. Okay, because here's, here's what he writes, starting in verse 3. He says that, I am overwhelmed with troubles. You ever felt that way before? He says, I'm overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. He says in verse 4, I am counted among those who go down to the pit, like, or I am like one without strength. He says, I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off. From your care. Now, if you can't tell, my man's battling something. He is not, this is not like a really high and uplifting moment here for him. And, and, and we do see that he actually kind of gets something right because by verse 13, here's what he says. He says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. So he's crying out to God, but listen to verse 14. Here's what he says. Why, Lord, do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? 
And in verse 18, he goes, this is, this is our last verse. He says, you have taken from me friend and neighbor, and darkness is my closest friend. Here we have a guy who loves God, who wants to serve him, but clearly is going through something right now, and he is just like, Lord, where are you? I'm calling out to you, but the problem is, is I don't feel like you were in the midst of my situation. What do we do? And so can I tell you that, you know what I love about verses like this in Scripture? You know, the Bible could just be full of stories of just great uplifting, like, oh, I was down, and then God just came, and he lifted me up, and it was amazing. You know, it could just be nothing but every chapter and verse of that. But you know what I love is I love that these verses are in Scripture that show us that God is real, and that he is not afraid to, to get into the midst of our lives. And he, he's, not, like, he's not offended or upset when we come to him and be like, God, I do not understand where you are in this situation. I don't feel like you're here right now. And, and, and the incredible thing is, is that God is big enough to take, take that on. He's, he's big enough to take care of that. But see, so often we think that trying to find help is wrong. We think that it's a sign of weakness when, in fact, it's actually the opposite, a sign of strength. Now, and I don't know if we're all aware of this, but did you know, did you know that you can be physically healthy, right? You can hit the gym every day. Uh, you can be like, by the way, if you see uh, Miss Chanel, she's back in kids. You better give her a congratulations. She won first place in a competition yesterday. She bench, she, she lifted more than me, okay? She lifted like one and a half me's, all right? So I don't know what all that equals. Like, it's kilogram. I don't know. I just know it's a lot, all right? It's more than I'm going to lift. Uh, so, by the way, don't mess with her. She's, I'm going to also claim her as my bodyguard for now on, all right? So, but, you know, you can be physically healthy. You can be physically fit. You can be spiritually healthy. You can be in God's Word constantly. You can listen to your favorite station, Bridge or Caleb or whatever in the morning on your way to work and singing. You can be relationally healthy, but did you know that you can also be mentally exhausted? It's one of the areas that I've been. It's one of the things I've dealt with, honestly, is the fact that I just feel like I have so much on my plate, so much to do that I'm just exhausted but here's the issue, and the issue is, is that Jesus has given all of us a command. Jesus has given us all a command. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus actually tells us what we're supposed to do. He says that we are to love the Lord your God with all your what? All your, say it with me, your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Right? We're supposed to love him with heart, with soul, and with mind. And now the question that some of us can go, well, like, you know, I love him with my heart. You know, like, I'm dedicated. I, I, you know, my soul, I, I mean, like, I'm in it. But, but my mind, but my mind, like, how, how do we do this? Like, how, how do we actually love the Lord with our mind? Well, here's what I would want to take a few minutes. And we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but. Do you know that the way God created you is just so absolutely incredible that when he, when he, when you were, were, were formed in the womb, when you were birthed, right, that you have this thing called a brain. Some of us have more brain than others, but that's a different message for a different day. That he gave us this thing called a brain. And do you know how incredibly complicated the brain is? In fact, it's so complicated that scientists, of course, we've been studying it now for a little bit, and, and we still haven't quite figured out all that it does and how it does it. Like, we don't really understand all that it takes, but we have figured out a few things, right? We've figured out that from starting at birth, that the brain starts making pathways 
and connections when we think things, when we do things. And, and they're, by the way, if you don't know, they're called neural pathways, okay? So we, we create these neural pathways, and, and did you know that from like one-year-old, like when you're in the very first early stages, that your brain is able to make one million neural connections every second? One million every second. It's you breathing, you blinking, you you thinking, and you're planning in the future, and you're worried about the now, and, and, and your brain has the ability to do all of these things, but here's what happens is as your brain, as you start to think, and as you start to process, and as you start to do, the brain actually helps to create shortcuts in order so that actions become quicker and they become easier. In other words, it, it basically says, okay, well, we could go around this way, but we're going to take the direct path because we, we do this pathway. We do this thing a lot. And so because we do it a lot, what we actually have to do is, is we're just going to make sure that we can do it as fast as humanly possible. When the connections get shortened and strengthened, it's called pruning. And for, for you and for me, what happens here is that we actually, our brain becomes more efficient and it starts to think in patterns. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that once you think a thought, it actually becomes easier and it becomes quicker for you to think that thought again. In other words, it becomes a connection for us to have happen here. So, so how many of you can realize, though, that once you think a thought and your brain creates a pathway to that, that if it's a good thought, that's great. It creates a shortcut. But how many of you know that when your brain creates and you have some bad thoughts and you start creating shortcuts to the bad thoughts, that that's it's not really a great thing? Because now, guess what we have to do? We have to work that much harder not to get our brains to go to the place that it already, it's trained, it's basically trained itself to want to go. So guess what? When the body isn't healthy, what do we do? When the body isn't healthy, we can change our diet. We can exercise. We can be like me and eat way less Oreos every day, you know, and, and we can do stuff like this. You can go through therapy. But the real question is this, is how, how do we renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? And by the way, this isn't just for us. This is for your kids. You, you ever had the kids that want to act out and want to want to maybe just like do the same like thing where you kind of get the same attitude over and over again, guess what? They've created pathways to it. How, how, do we, how do we renew our minds? How do we encourage the people that we love to renew their minds? Well, I think it's not easy. It is easy, but it's not easy. And you see, Isaiah actually says it like this. Isaiah actually says that uh, in Isaiah 26, 3, uh, that when he talks, he's talking to God, he says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And he says, all those thoughts that are aware, tell me where they're fixed, who they fixed on? On him. Can I tell you, that sounds so easy just to fix your thoughts on him. But boy, it is really, really complicated. But here's the thing. He promises this. He says that, guess what? When we fix our thoughts on him, when do we get peace? Is it occasional peace? Is it like temporary peace? It's like in a certain situation, maybe you get it. No, he actually says that you will get consistent, constant peace when we do it. And, and the problem is, though, is we have to figure out how to get our minds fixed on him. And we have to find ways to get our minds fixed off, off of other things, like Twitter and TikTok, Facebook, 
and Instagram. And if that didn't hit you, then it could be CNN. Or, I'm sorry, I probably should say Fox News to this crowd, probably, right? But, but we have to realize, we have to realize that guess what we have to do if we want to have the peace of mind is we have to fix our minds on, on Christ, on, on Him. And, and, and so, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's a really hard thing to do because I, I, anybody else have more than one thing to do in their day? Anybody have more than one thing to do? Yeah, you probably do, right? And, and so if you have more than one thing, you're like, how in the world do we do, we do this? How, how, do we, how do we go about this? Well, I think we have to recognize two things here. I think we have to recognize that actually God can be the source of our strength. He has to be the source of our strength. He has to be the source of your and my strength. And that, guess what, is that he has everything, his everything that he's called for you and me to do. He's got, he's got it all. And, and so over the next few weeks, listen, we're going to take the opportunity. We're going to look at this in, in, in many different forms, in different capacities. Tracy, if you wouldn't mind coming up here to join me. Because here's what, here's what I know. I know, that, I know that we all want peace. You want peace, don't you? In, in fact, I, I think that almost all the things we do in life, we think are actually leading us to some form of it. We, we're, we're constantly trying. You know, you, I, I'm hopefully, I, if you are, you need to see me after service, but hopefully you're not going to work saying, you know what, I'm going to be as disruptive today as humanly possible. I want to go in and see how many lives I can wreck. It's going to be awesome. No, you're probably, what you're probably thinking when you go to work is, Jesus, will you please touch these coworkers? Help me to control my tongue. And help me to, to not be crazy today. Help me to have some peace. That's probably what you're thinking. What I love is Jesus gave us really clear understanding on how we can do this. See, in, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said something really incredible. Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. Now, if he ended it there, you'd be like, thanks, Jesus. That's awesome. But he goes on. He doesn't just say, peace, I leave with you. He says, it's actually my peace. He says, it's my peace that I'm going to give to you. And, and listen, I want you to understand that I'm not giving this to you as if the rest of the world gives to you. I'm not expecting anything out of this. I want you to understand that I'm just giving it to you. Now, by the way, you want to know why this is incredible. First off, it's incredible because it's his peace that he's given to us. But do you know the other thing about John chapter 14? John chapter 14 comes right before Jesus goes to the garden and is arrested and taken and is, and is tortured and then put on a cross and hung there. Like, this is like the day before. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming, and in the midst of everything, Jesus is like, you know what? I don't know if you guys are ready to handle what's about to happen, but here's what I want you, I need you to know this. I need you to know that I'm giving you my peace. 
I'm giving you my peace, not a peace, but my peace. I'm giving you peace that, guess what? When you hear that bad news, it's okay. I'm giving you my peace that when a child starts to rebel and you just don't know what to do, I'm giving you peace that so when money is tight or when you lose your job or when your marriage is struggling and you don't know what to do and you're trying to figure this out, Jesus says, no, you don't understand. I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving you my peace. I want to ask if you would, would you, would you stand with me this morning? I almost made this point number three today as far as a myth. I didn't because I kind of thought of it a little bit last minute. You know, one of the problems that I have, I don't know about you, you may not have this problem, but you know one of the problems that I have, I think that just simply because I surrendered to Jesus and I'm living my life for him, that just by mere of the act of me doing that, that God is just instinctively just going to take over my captive thoughts and that he's just going to instinctively just like lead me to the promised land where water is it's milk and honey and it's clouds and it's butterflies and it's all the good things in life and just because I did oh boy aren't you so proud of me I did the all impressive job of surrendering my life to Christ and so therefore aren't I entitled to that can I tell you one of the problems that that I have maybe maybe you have this is that guess what just because I've surrendered to him doesn't mean that I have no further task it doesn't mean I'm off the hook because guess what I have to do myself this is Curtis's job I have to take captive my thoughts as much as I wish that Jesus would like, you know, that there was a magic wand in heaven and when I would start to get worried or anxious or feeling bummed out, that he would just be like, abracadabra, it's gone. It doesn't work that way. But I think sometimes we unconsciously think that it should. We come, Jesus, why won't you do this? Why won't you? And, and Jesus is like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to, but can you help me out here? Can we figure out how to renew our minds, how we, how we can and keep our thoughts on Him? Listen, I, I'm ending today with this simple, this simple request, and, and this is what I want to ask you. I don't think there's a single person in this room that hasn't struggled maintaining peace at some point in your life. I don't think there's a single person in this room that has not had anxiety or fear or depression or, or just like the worn out, tossed out feeling of this world, right? I'm pretty sure that we've probably all ex experienced that. But my question is this, how many of us, how many of us would like more peace? Would anybody like more peace? Listen, we're gonna get ready to pray. 
And, and I want to pray that just as we're kind of coming into this series, that the Spirit of God starts to speak to you and encourage you and remind you that, yes, He is here for us every step of the way, but that, that we have to, we gotta, we got to work on this. we got to work on redoing the thought processes in our minds to get us out of the negativity, out of the, out of the, out of the thoughts that are just leading us down these dark paths, letting us be depressed. And, and we say, Lord, I pray for your people right now. I pray for your sons and for your daughters. And Father God, Lord, we recognize. Lord, we know that we can't do it all on ourselves, Father God. But Lord, we also have to play a part in this, Father God. You don't have a magic wand over any of us, Lord God. And today, Father, I just pray over every single person in this house that said, Lord God, I, I want more peace. I need more peace, Father God. Lord, I pray that some of this scripture that we talked about today, that can, it can be seared on our heart, Father God. And that, Lord, when we're starting to feel that way, when we're starting to have those thoughts, when we're starting to feel maybe negative or anxious, Lord God, Lord God, that we can remind ourselves of what your scripture says, Lord God, that you say that, Lord, you've left your peace with us. Not just a peace, Father God, but your peace. Father God, we pray for the renewing of minds, Lord God, and we know that this is not a process that is going to happen overnight, Father, but Lord, we recognize that this can be the start of a journey, Father God, that's going to take most of us the rest of our lives to get down. Lord, I believe right now, Lord God, that there are some people in this place, Lord, that they have come into this house today, Lord, there's maybe some people watching online, Lord God, that, Lord God, they feel worn down. They've been battling depression. Lord God, I know that there's some people that have been battling anxiety, Father God. Lord, and I know that we wish that we could just make it all go away, Father God. But Lord, we are surrendering to you and drawing on your strength to walk day by day. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, the worship team is going to play this last song, and and I I personally am, am, am really believe in God for this. Listen, we God did some incredible things through 21 days of prayer and fasting here, right? I don't want us to let up off the throttle, and I want to encourage you that not just this week, but next week and the week after, if you are here and you were just you were just going through something, I want you to know that. Don't sit out in that seat and do it by yourself. Listen, we have people all over this church that would love nothing else than just to pray with you and encourage you and to believe with you. But guess what? We can't do it if we don't know. We have incredible prayer warriors at Discover Church that pray for you constantly. But guess what? They can't lift you up in the situation that you're going through if we don't know that you're looking for help. So I want to encourage you that these altars are going to be open through this time, and I just want to ask, listen, be bold. I know it feels weird sometimes, like the people are going to know something messed up with you. That's okay, because we're all messed up. There's nothing, there's nothing different. There's nothing fancy about it. We're all messed up. But listen, church, we got to hold another one another accountable. We got to hold each other up and just love on each other and surrender into the arms of Jesus. Would you do that with me this morning?